0: Coming up on the Locked On Ole Miss podcast, we discuss Jonathan Mingo and how big of a season coming up it is for this young man. We'll talk about the other receivers in that room. Then we'll move on to what we can expect from the transfer portal for receivers going into this summer. And then finally, we have a little bit of a preview of tonight's basketball game, Ole Miss versus Alabama, um, I think from the pavilion in Oxford. So... Um, it's a late tip-off. We got a lot of stuff going on tonight. Is SEC after the after dark, um, so it might delay the post-game pod a little bit. So just be aware of that. But this is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Alright, welcome to Lockdown On This Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Willis. Thank you very much for tuning in today and every day. And of course, um, thank you for making the Lockdown On This Podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Do me a favor and hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell to know when um, new videos are added. And of course, hit the upvote button on this video if you don't mind. So, Today we are going to talk a little bit about Jonathan Mingo and what a big season it is for Jonathan. And Jonathan was right on the verge at the beginning of last season of breaking out. He was the first domino to fall that ended up being in a disappointing, disappointing season for the wide receiver group that included every starting wide receiver being injured for the Auburn game and really costing Ole Miss an 11-1 season and perhaps the playoff. That is the result of that happening. Well, Jonathan Mingo was really breaking out early in the year. He was looking like your typical Ole Miss wide receiver. He's the heir to that number one. You thought all, everything was starting to click together, and then he got hurt. So this is a big season for Jonathan Mingo, and I expect him to really make plays. Now, this season he'll have help with um, Jalen Knox, and they're going to recruit somebody or potentially Braylon Brown um, on the other outside receiver position. But right now, Jonathan Mingo is the bell cow of this team. And being aware of that allows you to think of different ways to open it up. Him being a factor on the outside means that somebody like a Michael Trigg on the inside with Jalen Knox between the hash marks can do a lot of damage because Jonathan Mingo is good enough that requires a double team. And if you don't double team him, then he's going to make you pay. So with those um, safeties over the top, let's say they're doing a standard two-man formation, which is a favorite of the Alabama defense and the Georgia defense. Um, Two deep safeties, man underneath. You have to pick who you want to double team. Is it going to be Jalen Knox? Is it going to be Jonathan Mingo? And if it's both of them, that's going to occupy both your safeties. The third wide receiver should be the one-on-one down the field. So you can attack going down the field. So that's why this receiver position is so important for this team. With Zach Evans in the backfield, he's going to basically require a ton of attention. Jackson Dart or Luke Altmyer, whoever wins the competition. Uh, but remember what we say, and this is our position on this one. Luke Altmaier has to clearly win the competition. A tie will not get him the job. Transfers don't work like that. He has to clearly beat out Jackson Dart to be the starter. So I expect Jackson Dart, who gets the benefit of a tie, is going to win the job. So I'm going to operate under the assumption that Jackson Dart is probably going to win the job. But I will acknowledge that this is a competition, will be a competition for the ages, and spring practice will be a lot of fun to watch because of it. And it'll be because of this competition. And that competition will be going on with these receivers that are already in-house, the Braylon Browns, the Brandon Buckhalters, the J.J. Henrys, the Jalen Knox, the Jonathan Mingo, um, that will allow them to build a little bit of rapport before the transfers come in and before the season starts. It gives them a little bit of a head start, and that is something to see. But I'm really looking forward to Jonathan Mingo this season. He had really rotten luck last year. Just absolutely rotten luck. And it just kills me for him because he was right on the verge of breaking out and just being, honestly, the weapon that, at the beginning of the year, we thought Dontario Drummond was going to be. But when Jonathan Mingo got hurt... This is what that means. You don't, didn't have the luxury of playing Dontario Drummond in the slot anymore after Jonathan Mingo got hurt. The running game could not function at the same rate with Dontario Drummond or with, when Jonathan Mingo got hurt. Now all of a sudden you had one big wide receiver and they were kind of moving him all over the field so his position on the field was not predictive. That hurt the running game. The running game being hurt, hurt Matt Corral, who was himself hurt. And there you see why the offense sputtered a little bit towards the ends of the season. Wasn't anything to do with the offensive line. It Wasn't anything to do with, um, honestly, the Tennessee game. Although him running in Tennessee was a byproduct of what happened. The offense sputtered because the wide receiver group was at the lowest it had been for the last 10 years at Ole Miss. And nothing gets it. Braylon Sanders was fine. He was just not a threat running the ball. And in the Tennessee game, and the Auburn game, he wasn't a threat at all because he was injured. And that just affected the offense so much. And this offense being one that under Jeff Levy, substitutions did not frequently happen. They wanted pretty much the same 18 guys to play every Saturday. And three of those were running backs. So... Understanding that, the reps were not evenly dis- distributed. Matt Corral did not have a rapport with J.J. Henry or Jacor Pearson or even Dennis Jackson or um, Braylon Brent. He did not have a rapport to do that because reps were designed to go to people that could actually perform during the game. It was all about building camaraderie, and what they did in the game allowed them to function at an extremely high level doing that under Charlie Weiss Jr., even though this is the same offense and they've done this before, I expect a little bit more rotation in the wide receiver room. Jonathan Mingo is going to get a break from here now and again. Um, Braylon Brown is going to get a break. um, Jalen Cox is going to get a break. I think it's his name. Sorry about that. I'm terrible with names, by the way. Um, But those guys are going to come in. And you have guys behind them like um, J.J. Henry, and you've got receivers coming in like Malik Heath, bigger body guys. More receivers are going to come in. And because of that, this has a chance to look pretty different um, in the wide receiver room. If they play seven guys, whenever they were playing essentially four guys, it could look a lot different. Now, put in the mix to that, the tight end position can really be used as a threat in this offense this year with Michael Trigg. If Hudson Wolf is, is healthy, I think he is going to provide several um, quality snaps a game and provide a little bit of a threat. He's a big guy. Michael Trigg, the same way. They're a little bit more advanced than Casey Kelly, but Casey Kelly should not be poo pooed on at all. Um, but the wide receiver room coming back is in a fairly good position. And if you understand that, you can um, understand the additions that need to be made to that. And you can understand why this offense didn't function at such a high level with all of that wide receiving unit down. After the Auburn game, the offense wasn't the same, period. Matt Corral wasn't the same. The running game wasn't the same. The offense didn't look the same. It wasn't because of the offensive line. It was because on the outside, injuries happened. And because of that, you had a 180-pound guy on one side and a 160-pound guy on the other side trying to block downfield in the run game. And that kind of messed up an offense that is equal. Every play has a, um, either run or pass tag to go on what was originally called. So, the reason this offense is 60% run. It is what it is, and I'm looking forward to see what it looked like. But it was just terrible luck for Jonathan Mingo last year, and um, this year, hopefully things can bounce back. Today's question of the day: Who will be the wide receiver that breaks out in 2022? Put the answers in the comments below, or tweet at me at the Stephen Willis and tell me what you think. So, um, which receiver? will be the top receiver of 2022. Jonathan Mingo says, it's my time. So this is the time of year I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. This year I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you are missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow, they're fluffy, they're marshmallow they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors yummy cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. Mmm, so good. These are going to be your new favorite. All built bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, puffs include it. 100% real chocolate. So go to built.com, scroll down to the macros chart, and you'll be blown away. High-protein, low-cal, high-fiber, low-carb. It's absolutely crazy. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has about 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. That's mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious and new flavors coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it, it'll be delicious, and it'll be good for you. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They'll make it delicious first and then figure out how to make it healthy. I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code lock 15 for 15% off at Built.com. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Alright, it's Super Week brought to you by Get Upside. And there's no better place to get coverage of the big game than Locked On NFL Podcast. Locked On Bengals and Locked On Rams are in LA all week covering the big game. Now in the first segment, we talked about the wide receivers that were coming back. And um, especially... Jonathan Mingo, who was very unlucky last year. This could be a breakthrough year, a contract-type cut year for Jonathan Mingo. Now we start talking about what we're looking for in the transfer portal moving forward. And it is obvious that through recruiting or whatever's happening, bigger wide receivers are being recruited. I think they're more durable and they're better in an offense like we run. So that works out for them. So Malik Heath from Mississippi State. They can't sign him um, enroll him until June 1st because of a tampering ruling. Way back with Fab Lovett and Jerry and Jones. And that's fine. But he's a big bodied wide receiver. And I've seen people discussing it either way. Was he Mississippi State's best receiver? Was he not? No, he was not. Malachi Polk was their best receiver. Um, is he going to be asked to be the best receiver on Ole Miss's team? No, he won't even be close to being asked to being the cl- best receiver on Ole Miss's team. We're talking the fourth or fifth wide receiver. But what he will provide is a big body in the run game that is going to be going to help Zach Evans. I've said over and over again, I think two videos in a row, I talked about this offense being one that is going to run through Zach Evans. It's going to run through your best player. Lane Kiffin sets that up all the time. With that being the case, I expect this offense to run through Zach Evans. Lots of play-action passes for Jackson Dart or Luke Altmyer. Um, going out to Jonathan Mingo or whoever's out and about, Michael Trigg, um, Jalen Cox, uh, any of those, uh, it's going to work out. But it's going to start first and foremost with Zach Evans. So Malik Heath is coming here to Ole Miss to be a big body on the outside. He's 6'3", 215 pounds, 220 pounds, and he is going to be a physical nightmare for whoever is back there in the back seven trying to cover. See, one of the untold stories of these spread offenses that have overtaken college football right now is the fact that big wide receivers have become the key to breaking down smallish, faster defenses. So whenever you have safeties that are foot 200 pounds, and your wide receivers are 6'3", 220, you have a net advantage in the run game. And that's the reason some of these spread offenses can run the ball so well. Is because those wide receivers can block so well downfield. Whenever Ole Miss gets it going and they start recruiting, you're going to have 220-pound wide receivers on the outside. You're going to have a slot receiver that's a little bit quicker, uh, probably in the Elijah Moore uh, mold. And you're going to have somebody like Michael Trigg or um, Hudson-Wolf that's 245, 255 pounds in the middle, and their whole goal is to block downfield. So if you can scheme past the first level and get into the second level where a linebacker is usually taken off the field for a defensive back, you have a size-speed advantage over the defense. The hard part is getting to that level, and there's certain things that the defense does with trickery. Um, like the three safety defense to combat offense, offenses that count numbers. So it might look like you have a four or five man box, but you actually have eight people assigned to cover the run. So you don't really know when um, the numbers are in your favor. So that's how they're ca- they're countering this a little bit. But these bigger wide receivers are going to help you block downfield. But I, these three safety defenses, I mean, it's, it's quite good, actually. What Ole Miss did last year was fantastic. Everybody talks about the three-two-six. It, it was really, really quite good. And I was very, very impressed with that. So if we look at the transfer portal, if we look at the transfer portal, I expect Ole Miss to sign Deion Smith. The rule is SEC to SEC. You have to be in the portal before February 1st. So it was set up to where, from the beginning, I believe, Deion Smith went to the portal early knowing that he had to go back and get eligible for the summer. He was a June 1st project as well. That's what I believe. Um, And there also may be another wide receiver from Auburn. I can't remember his name right now. I apologize for that. And Brew McCoy is somebody that could be um, brought up in the portal from USC that could be an immediate eligibility guy too, 220 pounds in that same mold that we're talking about. That's what all these players have in common, except for the kid from Auburn who is more of a slot-type receiver that we talked about. So when you understand that, what they're planning to do, you can can see why the size in the portal has become increasing. This isn't anything towards the freshman wide receivers they signed last year like J.J. Henry and Brandon Buckhalter and Braylon Brown. No, they're just young guys that need to develop their bodies. They have to be developed, and they will be developed. Um, But when you get somebody like Zach Evans, you don't want to take a chance that they need another year developing. You want big bodies on the outside that can handle the job right now. And after the spring, the moves made by Lane Kiffin in the transfer portal will be important to know how good he thinks this team can be. If he thinks this team could be a playoff team, and I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team, but if he thinks this team has any chance of being a playoff team, he'll sign a kicker in the portal because those kickers can be important coming down the stretch. And that'll tell you a lot of what he thinks of what he has going on. If he thinks this is a 2023 team, um, he will recruit accordingly as well. He will go in there and find pieces to add for the 2023 run. And then he'll hit the portal again to try to, to expand it. I think Ole Miss is set with... 30 players that were four-star or better out of high school. That's a talent level I haven't even heard of as an Ole Miss Rebel fan. This is going to be the most talented team in my lifetime on the other side of the on the field um, this fall. Not saying they'll be the best. I'm saying they'll be the most talented. And because of that, they will flash. Now, I do expect that games like Matt Corral versus Arkansas can absolutely happen. Jackson Dart has not gone against a three-safety defense like Arkansas. And this is a year three Arkansas defense as opposed to a year one one that Matt Corral went through. So it's a little bit more experienced, a little bit of knowing exactly what they need to do. So pay attention to that. There's going to be situations during the seasons where it just comes out and Jackson Dart looks like a freshman. Because after six starts during the first part of the season, um, it could absolutely look like a freshman. They have Kentucky coming up in game five. They need to get it all together by game five. And if you do that, you, have, you get past Kentucky, you have a chance to be seven or eight no oh, going into the home stretch. And the last game featuring A&M, Arkansas, Alabama, and Mississippi State. That is a brutal last four games. But it is one that could be very, very exciting. If they take care of business. Just remember. Wayne Kiffin recruits for a team. Builds for a program. He signs high school players for development. And down the road. But each year he views as an individual team. And he tries to maximize that team. He doesn't try to maximize four years down the road. He tries to maximize that team. And. This year, I mean, they're in a fantastic position to do that. I'm pretty fired up, actually. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs, right to the big game this weekend. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not all just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with real live time or live real time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Ole Miss and Alabama tonight. I believe that's in the Pavilion. Tip off is about 7:30 Eastern time or 7:30 Central time, 8:30 Eastern time on the SEC Network. Now. Alabama's a little bit of a weird team. This is a team that has defeated three teams that were in the Final Four last year, but they've also lost to Memphis, and they've also lost to Davidson, and they've gotten beat by Georgia. So they're very Jekyll and Hyde. Now, Ole Miss is in a position right now to where their team is going to struggle to score the basketball. So if Alabama can score the basketball, they are going to run away with this game. Now, I just think that's going to happen. It's not Kermit's fault. He just doesn't have the bullets in the gun. I mean, when you lose three or four players for the year and you have a seven, eight-man rotation, uh, it's going to be difficult. You got Jarkel Joyner, which, you know, he's getting back in game shape. Um, I hope he can make it and everything works out well. But it, it's, I'm not overly um, ready to say he's, he's ready to take over um, what's going on. But Shackelford's averaging 17 points a game. Shoots okay from the line. Um, Leading rebounder is a guard for Alabama Ellis, getting six a game. And Quinterly is the leading assist man at 4.3. Ole Miss has done a really good job of making games sloppy. Um, They gave up, let's see, 62 in overtime to Florida. Um, LSU, you know, went on a little bit of run, but they gave up 70, 72 there. They gave up 56 to Kansas State, gave up um, 64 in a losing effort to Arkansas, and gave up 54 to Florida. This is a team that plays really good defense, and that's what people need to understand about them. They they are going to play really good defense, and if you are soccer followers for World Cup qualifiers at all. Ole Miss is going to play real similar to where the way El Salvador and Guatemala plays the U.S. in soccer. They are going to park the bus, or whatever the equivalent is to parking the bus in um, college basketball. If Ole Miss doesn't shoot the ball well, they're going to be in trouble. If Alabama can score the ball, Ole Miss is going to be in trouble. But I expect Ole Miss to go out there and give an effort real similar. Like, they were in the Florida game uh, against all odds. They had Arkansas, um, they were in that game for a while, and they just had these little laws to where they go, um, where they go, um, sorry about that, that was my mom, um, where they go through these laws scoring the ball, and, and because of that, they get into a little bit of trouble. And so, like I said, it is what it is, um, with this basketball team. They are what they are. And tonight, just expect, if Alabama score can score the ball or Ole Miss doesn't shoot the ball well, there's not really a way home for Ole Miss. Ole Miss will make it ugly. They will park the bus. They will try to make this as choppy of a game as possible. And because of that, you're going to see basically a hard-to-watch game. But... We will see what happens. Jarkel is going to be a game closer to get, um, game shape. And because of that, there's a score that's in the future that can happen. But until then, Jarkel might score early, but he might get into trouble or in the second half is with, with his legs going out. So just be aware of that. But tonight, Ole Miss Alabama from the pavilion on the SEC Network um, 8.30 Eastern Time, 7.30 Central Time. Also, tonight, SEC After Dark on the Yalls Conference YouTube channel or my Twitter feed, you can watch it there. We will be talking about the SEC. I've got Corey Burton from the Believe in Georgia Dogs show. I've got Jake Thomas from the Tide Talk podcast. And I've got Jeb Beecham, um, Tennessee superfan, to where we can just talk about the conference. We're going to talk a lot about Brian Harson and what's going on at Auburn. Um, Also on the Y'all's Conference Network, you can see um, playbacks of the Best of the West show on Tuesday night, um, that live stream, and you can catch a replay of the Beast of the East, which is the Monday live stream. So we do live streams on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night that you can partake of. You got this um, beauty every day, but it's a way that we can get as much content to you as possible. Because at... Locked on, Ole Miss, we are really invested in commentary and perspectives. We are not a news organization. If you need a news organization, if you're addicted to the drama, we can direct you that way. Um, But if you just want to know what you need to know about Ole Miss sports, we will let you know. We will, like we say, translate for you. So I'm pretty pretty excited about that. So thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Tomorrow we'll talk a little bit about Mason Brooks and the offensive line. And um, maybe we'll look back on today's um, tonight's basketball game. Um, maybe not, though. Um, that's what we're looking for tomorrow. So now make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets. Hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Yeah, there you go. As you can see, we're going through. We're kind of doing a post-signing day reset. Did the wide receivers today. We're going to do the offensive line tomorrow. It's going to be a little bit of fun, but we're getting ready for the quarterback competition of the ages and a whole bunch of guys that are mid-year that it's going to be really fun to see. I can't wait until spring practice but for now tune in to me and we will do commentary every day it's going to be football at least a segment every day and also we're going to have a baseball preview at the beginning of next week so we'll we'll turn to baseball as next week gets here but until then hottie toddy